It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 288 of Locked On Raptors for Monday, March 5th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of LockedOnRaptors.com and RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors. You can find links to every single episode. And of course, make sure you're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network. Across the network, lots of great stuff for you to check out. Uh, daily Locked On NBA shows now with a, a vast range of hosts from around the network. Uh, Josh Lloyd's on there, Anthony Irwin, Wes Goldberg, and uh, Dave Miller doing one. Adam Marez, I think, is doing it with... Anthony on Fridays. Uh, the schedule is great, so you should make sure you check that out to get your daily dose of Locked on NBA. And then if you find a local show that you like, find that show on iTunes, leave a rating, leave a review, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff, and uh, make sure you're doing that with us as well. Find Locked on Raptors on iTunes, leave a rating, leave a review. It's uh, it's the easiest thing you can do to help out the show. It shows that you care, shows that you want to support us, makes us more popular, and uh, helps the algorithm you know churn out good results, I guess. Um, so thanks in advance for doing that. Uh, on today's show, it's one of these uh, Monday, there's not a whole lot to talk about, so we're just going to kind of recap the weekend and see where it goes, episodes with our pal Vivek Jacob. How's it going, buddy? Pretty good. Um, yeah, like you said, pretty relaxed Monday, outside of you know the news of DeMar DeRozan uh, getting player of the week, and a little bit of uh, some, a little bit of activity on the free agency front. So I guess we can get to that later too. Yeah, maybe we start with uh, Nigel Hayes. Uh, mm-hmm. I recall him being on those Wisconsin teams with like Frank Kaminsky and Sam Decker. That's right. That, that's accurate, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Me, big uh, college oh, yeah. basketball Last guy. Last was with Brandon Jennings. What's that? Well, last he was with Brandon Jennings, so oh fun. yeah, okay, yeah, oh yeah, he's been playing in the D League this season for the Westchester Knicks. He signed a ten day deal with the Raptors today, or he is going to sign one in the very near future, uh, and he will be the fifteenth guy on the roster at least for ten days. That's uh, something, I I guess. He's been shooting threes at like 45% or something like that with Westchester. I'm not sure how much he's going to play, considering the Raptors have barely have enough time for you know their guys that they already have in the house. But it's interesting. He's a, he's a wing. He kind of fills the slot. If maybe they think OG Ananobi's injury is going to be longer term, maybe he kind of, kind of just sort of helps soak up some of those minutes or whatever. Um, I, I, there's nothing, there's no drawback to it. They'll get to see, see a dude who um, at least was like thrown around as a potential draft pick during his draft year, uh, which I think was last season or like the 2017 draft. So um, yeah, there's still some potential there, I guess, if you want to you know get excited about a 10 day guy. But uh, I don't know. You watch the D League more than I do, the G League more than I do, and probably watch college basketball more than I do. Uh, do you have any strong Nigel Hayes takes that you would like to share with us on the show today? Um, no, I think more than anything, he just fits the mold of what the Raptors are kind of looking for at that small forward position. Again, a guy who's 6'8", that can shoot the ball, that can rebound pretty well. So um, I think just another guy that the Raptors can get a look at. Uh, over the summer, they worked him out, and he had a pretty good workout. And uh, 
I think he, he, he was in the same workout as Kyle Kuzma. So, mm. um, so I, I think there's maybe just, you know, this is just, you know, the final 15, 20 games of the season and you're just trying to figure out what's what, maybe even trying to get a better perspective of how to go about the off season. So I think all those things factor in. Um, and we've seen a bit of that with Malcolm Miller of late. So, uh, Unlike Malcolm Miller, I guess with a 10-day, he can technically be signed on and then be playoff eligible. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about this earlier. Malcolm won't be because he's on the two-way. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's just another chance to get a look at a guy and figure out what's what. And, you know, there's no real harm in it. Uh, and on the G League side of things, it kind of helps the Raptors 905 who are chasing the Westchester Knicks uh, in the standings. They're currently two and a half games behind. And so now they take... Nigel Hayes off that team, and maybe things get a little easier for them. Yeah, that's uh, well, that's like some galaxy brain shit right there. If that's like their, uh, I mean, that can't, that can't be like a consideration that they haven't thought of. Like that, that's pretty obvious. I would think that that at least crossed their hey, minds. Hey, you know what? There were teams that uh, did it to the nine hundred five last year when they made the playoff run. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you had Axel Tupon getting picked up, and so Eddie Tavares and, by the Cavs, who had, they played Canton in the playoffs, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so you know, time for a little payback, I guess. Yeah, it sure worked last year for uh, for those teams trying to sabotage the 905. Uh, Bruno Caboclo and Pascal Siakam are having none of that. Um, I honestly, I think I'm happier with the Raptors going this route with, like, a dude who kind of has some unknown potential or whatever and who's not, like, a high risk or anything, and you're not, like, you're not obligated to give him minutes. I kind of prefer they do this with their last roster spot for the last part of the season than go out and get a veteran dude who's just going to sit there and not do anything or play minutes in place of someone that you'd rather be on the court. So uh, this is an interesting thing. Like, the Raptors, you know, they they have no sort of qualms about trying to be creative with player development and and seeing what they can do. I mean, obviously, the Bruno experiment's the biggest example. But, you know, Fred Van Vliet, undrafted free agent, and he look at where he is now. He's inexpendable to this team. And I'm not saying Nigel Hayes will become that, but it's uh, it's a nice bit of, uh, I don't know, it's just intriguing that they're going after dudes like this. And, like, a 6'8 dude who shoots threes, that dude can play in the NBA if, like, the, the, the threes play up. That's, uh, that's a very useful player to have on an NBA team. So, uh, yeah, nothing wrong with this at all. I wonder how long it'll be until he starts a game, <laughs> because Malcolm Miller started last night. It sounds like Dwayne Casey from his pre and post game stuff last night. Uh, like he's just gonna tinker and sort of play around with that small forward spot, I think, for a little bit here, just because a the Raptors are really good and can win games even if they're getting nothing from the small forward spot. And OG was kind of providing next to nothing for a little while before he got hurt anyway. Um, and then B, like, why not just see what you have, right? And I think, uh, you know, he, he said he was very emphatic in saying that, like, there's no controversy for the small forward spot. He's not saying, oh, Malcolm Miller has jumped Norm Powell in the in the rotation or anything like that, although maybe you can make an argument that he should by now. Um, but I don't know. It, it's interesting. I, I don't think Hayes will start right away. I wouldn't be shocked if he picked up a start if, like, the Raptors are going to rest dudes. They have a couple of back-to-backs coming up uh, next Tuesday. 
They take on the Magic in the first half of a back-to-back. The second half is in Cleveland, and they're in Orlando the first night of it. I wouldn't be surprised if that's like a rest game. Maybe we see like a Nigel Hayes uh, outburst or something like that. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's interesting at least that they've... Or I guess this is two weeks from now, so maybe that's uh, too far out. He'll have to get a second 10-day. Either way, um, the, the, it's it's a good little thing that they're doing, and I, I, I wouldn't expect much from it, but uh, I don't know. Do you prefer they do this than you know, go sign Ursan Ilyasova or whoever the hell we were talking about as a Yeah, absolutely. And we touched on this on the previous podcast as well, where the Raptors are in this spot where, you know, you don't want to have the bench guys who have earned so much of their playing time looking over and wondering who's this new guy that's just coming in and taking their minutes. Um, And on the flip side, you do kind of want someone that can also push them a little bit. So now you you bring in someone who's hungry but isn't guaranteed anything because these guys have no reputation, right? Malcolm Miller, Nigel Hayes, two guys that you know, if they get an opportunity, they're going to try and do the best they can. But at the same time, nothing's going to be given to them. So, um, you know, you, you look at the schedule coming up as well. Um, you know, the Raptors, I think they have the right to be a little bit cocky, uh, hmm. especially with their record against uh, below 500 teams. So um, you look at Atlanta on uh, Tuesday. Uh, you look at, you know, the Knicks, the Nets, the Mavs. Uh, they might only play four guys. You've got Orlando. Um, well, or, uh, that stuff comes up if he gets a second ten day. But it's a good it's a good portion of the schedule to get a look at these guys and figure out what they are. And like I said, just maybe simplify your decision making in the off season. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. I think it's at the point, it's late enough in the season now, too, where this isn't like a luxury tax concern or anything like that as well, so... Uh, that's nice to keep in mind, I suppose, if you're into that sort of thing. Um, yeah, so Nigel Hayes, uh, just to give you his numbers from the uh, Westchester Knicks, 38 games played, uh, 16.1 points, 6.7 boards, 2.1 assists, 1.4 steals, uh, shooting 45% from three on 5.4 attempts. So he's already the Raptors' best three-point shooter. Um, <laughs> uh, speaking of good three-point shooters from the G League, Malcolm Miller started last night, kind of in a surprise move. Uh, I don't think really anyone was predicting that would happen until the pregame 
uh, with Dwayne Casey, he was like, uh, you know, we're going to cycle some guys in there. You know, we're going to just, there's no controversy, nothing like that. But we might cycle guys, some, some guys in. And then from there, it kind of felt like Miller might get the start. And uh, what did you think of his, I mean, you gassed him up on last week's podcast. Uh, I think, you know, people look at like the, you know, he went scoreless. had just one rebound in 14 minutes and maybe they think it's a bad game. But I don't know. I thought he looked fine out there. I thought he looked like he belonged at least a little bit. He didn't look like he was overmatched or anything like that. He was just kind of doing stuff off the ball, setting some screens here, doing a little bit of cutting. Uh, didn't lead to anything for him, but I think it like fit well within the entire construct of the team. What did you think of Malcolm Miller's first career start? Yeah, I, th- I thought he did well. You looked at w- w- what he did defensively. He was able to pick up a two. He was able to switch on to you know Kemba or Marvin Williams whenever it was needed. Um, and then offensively, he did exactly what he was supposed to. He was running to the corners. He was getting into open shots beyond uh, open shots beyond the arc and just spreading the floor. So that's exactly what you want out of the small forward spot. And he gave them that. Obviously, b- both his shots he missed, but. You're watching the game; they both rimmed out, so mm-hmm. that's just luck sometimes. So um, he was not alone in having threes rim out last night either. No, not at <laughs> it was all. It's ridiculous. I mean, the Raptors could have had you know 30 points in the first five minutes of the game if if those fell in. But um, like Dwayne Casey says, it's a make or miss league. Yeah, uh, Dwayne Casey. He he uh, came back to the old. Uh, I think my favorite analogy or euphemism or, I don't know, just saying that he's come up with this season was the one about how the playoffs are like a dude waiting in a dark alley with a baseball bat. He brought that up again last night. It was great. Uh, I don't yeah. really know what he means. I guess it's that the playoffs are, uh, they hit you hard, I guess. <laughs> I don't know, but uh, that came out again last night, so that was fun. Um, also fun, DeMar DeRozan, player of the week. Uh okay. The most anonymous player of the week award ever earned by somebody, maybe? Like, with just 20 points, 6 assists. Uh, you know, the Raptors didn't play, I don't think, their best basketball this week. They didn't blow teams out or anything like that. There were no real high-profile wins. But uh, DeMar DeRozan gets player of the week. I, I guess no one else in the East had a decent week. <laughs> this is a weird one to me. I was not expecting this whatsoever when it came across the wire. Yeah, uh, I, it definitely came as a surprise to me as well. Um, Boston had a good week, but I guess they lost the, you know, uh, the Rockets. And then you look at Demar. I think the biggest thing for him is the fact that uh, it's almost a nod to what the Raptors have committed to this season, where you know the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. And so you know you look at Demar with the five assists a game. The, it was only twenty points a game, but it came on about fifty eight percent true shooting. So mm-hmm. the is there and you know he's getting other guys involved and he's just taking what comes to him the game is coming easy to him you look at the, the 4-0 week um, besides the Washington game which you expected to be a tough one the Raptors really did what they had to so you know the 4-0 week I guess in the east you're always going to be in the running um, and besides that you know Maybe this is a bit wrong of me to say, but maybe it's uh, the NBA also looking out for a guy that's a bit down on himself right now. Yeah, maybe, yeah. That, I mean, who knows? Uh, that's definitely out there. I, I'm glad that DeMar has been, uh, been talking about this stuff. I mean, this is not really basketball related, but I'm pretty glad that you know he t- t- took the time to talk with Doug Smith. I don't know if we've talked about it since it happened, actually. Um, no, we yeah, haven't. When it came out last week. I haven't talked about it on the podcast, really. Um, and so I, I feel weird talking about this kind of stuff because, like, I 
personally, like, I'm very lucky in that I can't really relate to, you know, going through mental health stuff. Like, I know people who have, and it's, I always try to be as supportive as possible, but I, I can't relate as well to, to this stuff as a lot of people can out there. So I don't have a whole lot to say about, like, I mean, I had someone ask me, like, oh, do you think it's, like, Twitter's fault that he's there? I, I have no idea. Uh, obviously, there's lots of stuff going on with him, but I'm glad that he's out there sharing. I'm glad uh, he gave Doug Smith the time to get it out there. And I'm I, the, honestly, I think the most encouraging thing that I've seen, not just with, like, basket, not just in basketball, just, like, this year period was just, like, the amount of outpouring of support that came for DeMar DeRozan when he originally tweeted that first, uh, it was, like, a song lyric he originally tweeted, um, but, like, obviously opening up to, to Doug Smith, like, that, that like, the, the support and the outpouring of just, like, appreciation and love for DeMar was, uh, it's really heartwarming and something that, frankly, I'm shocked about in 2018, considering how terrible everything is and how shitty people are on the internet. Uh, pretty glad that there was no, like, oh, well, why are you so depressed? You're so rich. Bullshit takes out there. That was nice to see, I suppose. I mean, I'm sure they were there, but they weren't really in my face, so that's good to see. Yeah, no, I agree with you 100%. Um, you know, whatever negative takes there were, they were definitely uh, drowned out by all the positivity he received, and he even reflected on that. And then for him to take it even a step further from, uh, you know, talking about it with the Toronto media to even be on ESPN when the Raptors play the Wizards and talk about it even further there, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think that's a big thing as well. Um so, you know, again, he's going through a lot, you know, in terms of his parents' health, in terms of his own personal family situation. So, um, yeah, I'm glad that uh, he feels comfortable enough to share and let people know that it's okay to talk about this stuff. And hopefully he's better for it soon enough. Yeah, here's hoping. Um, Damar, if you're listening, which I'm sure Damar is, I know he's a, he's a big listener of the pod. Uh, we love you, man, and uh, stay stay strong. And uh, glad that you're sharing your uh, your personal story because I'm sure it's helping people. You know, seeing an NBA athlete, you know, have this sort of relatable thing going on. I think it can only do it can only be a good thing for people who are on looking and you know, sort of considering their own situation and whether or not you know they're the only person if they feel like isolated or alone. Like uh, uh, this is not you're not alone because you know even the wealthiest and most popular athlete in the middle of it may be in Toronto, one of the most popular athletes in Toronto, in the middle of one of the best seasons, maybe his best season ever. Um, you know, he's going through this and he's able to talk about it. And it's it's nice that it's it's very relatable and very human of him. And uh, it's nice to see. So uh, shout out to DeMar always. Uh, you touched on the Wizards game. There's no easy way to transition away from this. <laughs> you touched on the Wizards game. I uh, only really saw this one like on a strange angle on a bar TV for like a little bit of it because uh, I had a friend in town who I hadn't seen in like six months, so I was uh, out there doing that, and so I didn't really see the game. Raptors win 102.95. The, the the Wizards are you know whatever. <laughs> I, I I expected the Raptors to lose this one. Honestly, they've been weird against the Wizards without John Wall this season. Bradley Beal seems to really have his way against the Raptors, and like Bradley Beal is having a great season. Uh, and he's had a pretty good game. 23 points on you know 19 shots. I guess that's not his you know peak game, but he was pretty good. And I, I don't know what what was your takeaway from this game. It feels like a game in which. You know, it was close, but people kind of came away feeling hardened, I think, by maybe the crunch, t- the, the crunch time performance or just, like, the ability to hunker down when they didn't quite have it and, and take, a, take a win away from it anyway. I think more than anything, it was 
this is the kind of night that you've been hoping for from CJ Miles. Right. You, know, you, you look at the inconsistency that he's had for most of the season, and there there have been those moments in games, those stretches where he's had good looks, and and you know that you know this. At, these are the stages where you can break a game open, and for the Raptors to sort of be hanging in there in the fourth quarter and be looking for that momentum for CJ to just make shot after shot after shot and the one that he made from the corner sort of fall, falling out of bounds that's the one that you know sticks out the most and so for him to have that kind of night Van Vliet was terrific once again um, in his role finished with 12 points 4 boards 3 assists and got to the line 8 times yeah uh, salvage so, a bad shooting night yeah yeah, yeah. and so you know uh, so Lowry you know it the stars are going to have down nights, and so for him to go one for five from three, finished it with just ten points. Um, he, he sort of had that Lowry game where he does all the other things yeah. as you expect. Um, but yeah, uh, again, CJ Miles the biggest standout for me. Uh, Bradley Beal is just awesome. You just have to respect what that guy's done in the absence of Wall and the way he's carried that team. Um, Sadoransky, you know, he he's he's really stepped up in Wall's absence as well. Uh, Otto Porter is awesome as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, just a really fun game. And then for CJ Miles to break out the way he did, uh, that was huge. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Yeah, uh, and then Sunday against the Hornets, I was at that game. Uh, I wanted to sleep the entire game. It wasn't the most uh, riveting matchup in the history of the world. The Raptors have owned the Hornets all season, and it felt like they were on their way to another blowout. But uh, fourth quarter, the offense kind of dried up a little bit. I mean, the the missed threes kind of caught up to them. I think they went like... They had like a stretch of missing like eight straight threes at the start of the fourth or something crazy like that. Um, and it wasn't their best night overall, but the Hornets kind of suck. So the Raptors, it's nice that the Raptors are at this point where they can just coast by uh, while not playing their best basketball and still beat bad teams because they're just that good and that deep. And there's enough guys that do stuff on a given night uh, to be pretty effective. And I think last night, you know, Dwayne Casey, his first thing he said in his post game last night was that like, this is a game I think we lose last year. And I, that's kind of what I wrote my recap about for Raptors HQ, and that, like, yeah, like, this wasn't the, the cleanest game by the Raptors all season, um, but the, the there were lots of different things that happened throughout that were kind of peppered in that kind of displayed the, you know, the vast amount of growth that they've gone through this season and sort of the changing of their identity, and, you know, those changes, I think, are kind of the difference between losing and winning a game like last night where you don't really have it at 100%. I mean, Jonas Valanciunas and Serge Ibaka were killer. Uh, they kind of carried the offense for stretches. And you look back, and in the past, it's been Lowry to Rose, and then who the hell else is going to provide offense? That's always been such an issue in the playoffs and things like that. So to have Ibaka and JV just kind of carry it, it was uh, very heartening to see. And for them to be just, like, bombing threes as well. At one point, they were, I think, 5 for 7 combined from 3, and the rest of the team was, like, 3 of 18. Um, so that was... Uh, pretty fun and then like late in the game as well you know we've talked about the crunch time offense to you know to death on this podcast and just like watching this team this season 
And it wasn't perfect. There was like a weird DeMar three that he heaved up that went in, but like was probably pretty ill-advised. And a couple of possessions where he kind of hijacked the offense a little bit, but like he made it work. He scored in a couple. Uh, he had an and one uh, late in the game after he just make, he made Nick Batum look like 45 years old, just blowing by him with, with so much ease to get that and one. And then, uh, you know, there was a possession late in the game where Lowry like kicked it to JV in the corner and, you know, he attempted a corner three and it was like, hey, this positive offense, what the hell's going on? And then also JV being in the corner for a three, that's weird, but like I feel good about that. It's strange. Um, but like all these changes were kind of a play last night. So even in a game where they weren't, you know, totally sharp, you know, they kind of still, the cream still rose, I guess, so to speak, in that game. Um, what did you take away from the Hornets win? My biggest takeaway was Jonas Valanciunas pump faking at the three point line, getting Dwight Howard to fall for it. Oh my and then god! Yeah, the rim. yeah. Uh, that was <laughs> that was amazing. It took me a bit to recover from that one. I'm sure it took even longer for Dwight Howard. Um, uh, but yeah, like you said, uh, the Raptors got out to a quick start. Uh, they were moving the ball really well. Um, Larry and DeRozan, they were finding, you know, Jonas and Ibaka rolling to the rim. That's exactly what you want to do when you're getting trapped. And, you know, Jonas and Ibaka, they did a good job, you know, sort of finding those teams where the two, those two could make the pass as well. So um, I think it really works well for Ibaka, especially when he works his game inside out. And, you know, there's a lot of times where teams will give him that three early on mm. and he'll just settle for it and, and then he just seems to be out of it if he makes it great but in general he just seems to take it and then just stay out of rhythm all game mm-hmm. so it's nice to see him get to the rack early and then sort of the mid-range and then move out to the three-point line and you know it, that was exactly the type of game that you want to see Ibaka play all season long and um, as long as this is the Ibaka that shows up in the playoffs, they should uh, feel very good about their post-presence with the combination of Jonas. Yeah, I feel reasonably confident that we're going to see good Ibaka in the playoffs. We saw it last year, and I think of anyone on this team, he's the most likely to be coasting during the regular season because this dude has been in some damn wars, man. Like, he knows what it takes to, to go deep in the playoffs. He like he knows, I think, sort of the triviality of the regular season better than most people. And like I think we saw last night, what you know, the, the flashes are still there. So maybe while his season may has been you know sort of uneven and not quite what you would expect from a twenty million plus dollar player, I think he's going to make that difference up in the playoffs because we saw it. he was probably the best player for the Raptors against the Bucks until Game Six when DeRozan went off. Um, like I think Ibaka was just so crucial to everything they did in that series. He blocked Giannis a bunch of times. Um, his rim protection has been really good this season. All his block numbers are down. Like he's he's he, he, it's still there for him. And the fact that I think you know I think the most encouraging thing is that Ibaka Valanciunas has been like a reasonable pairing defensively. And it was again last night. And you know obviously it's the Hornets, so who knows? Although the Hornets and Kemba Walker have been a team that have really sort of messed with Giannis in the past. So, so the fact that. Surge and JV look good together. Uh, you know, you can close games with those two confidently. I didn't think that was going to be a thing at the start of the year. I was, like, kind of expecting Ibaka to play center in most fourth quarters. Um, all of it's positive, and the, the games like last night kind of give you an indication of what Surge is capable of, and, you know, I think we'll see that come playoff time. I don't really have that much concern over that. Um, Norm Powell. Yeah, Sorry, go ahead. I do want to touch on just quickly with yeah. Ibaka is 
I feel like quite a few people sort of touch on, oh, he's making 20 million, this and that. And, you know, I think you have to acknowledge that when a guy's 27, if you're only going to get him on a three year deal, you are going to overpay yeah. a bit, get the short term contract. And so, um, overall, if you, if you said you were giving Ibaka a three year, 65 million deal, the, the three years is what stands out. Mm-hmm, absolutely, and like to lock that in, in in sync with the timelines of Kyle and Damar, I think this is very valuable. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm with you there. I, I have no. It's the thing. I, I thought Ibaka was going to be a guy that people were going to be like very against this season because usually there's just like a whipping boy somewhere. But I think it's been nice that even though his season hasn't been quite what people would have expected, his numbers aren't like staggering across the board or anything like that. Like I think it, people kind of realize for the most part that. Um, this is to be expected. And his numbers would be much more impressive if he weren't playing five minutes less per game than he has in the past either, um, which is also important for keeping him fresh for, again, the playoffs when that dude uh, just becomes really good. Like, he's a good, good... It's nice to have a good playoff player on the team, a proven playoff player. Um, I gotta say, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty comforting. Norm Powell is supposed to be a good playoff player. Uh, I don't know if he's going to get a chance to play in the playoffs at this rate. Last night, just four minutes. Again, that kind of uncomfortable situation where you throw Powell in in the second quarter, like in that little pocket of minutes just before the break, and it's not really ideal because you know he didn't start the game. You're not really sure if he's going to get to come back out for the, the third quarter at all uh, or if he's going to play again in the game after that if he plays poorly. And he played poorly. He certainly did. Uh, 0 of 3 from the field. He missed a couple threes. Missed a weird sort of running bricked ass layup uh, that or floater off the glass that just really had no chance of going in it was like classic Powell just going way too hard to the rim and not really having much of a plan uh, he picked up a couple boards and was a plus three in those minutes but uh, he also fouled Kemba Walker shooting a three just did not look very good uh, I don't know where are you have with this Powell thing because I, I, I really sympathize with him because he talked about it today and just like he knows that he's not playing well but he's like confident it's going to turn around at some point we have to look at like the sample of this season and say like this is just what he is this year don't we uh, yeah and it, it's it's unfortunate but you know sometimes a guy just has a down year uh, people are sort of jumping all over the extension now and I think it's just safe to say that this is a down year for him he's got some things to figure out he's obviously got to figure out um how he can improve his in-between game because when his shot's not falling from the outside he's not able to get to the rim uh the way he was last season and guys have sort of sort of picked up on that you know that one speed dribble attack to the rim and they've taken that away mm-hmm. so he's got to figure out how else he can get himself going and make the game easier on himself um so at this point, uh, you know, Casey keeps saying that he's someone that's going to be, uh, that's going to sort of have that moment in the playoffs or he's going to be needed for a stretch. And, uh, you can see the possibility of that just because of um, OG being a rookie and, you know, his struggles from the outside and CJ Miles' inconsistency and Malcolm Muller obviously won't be available. So you can see. A scenario in which Casey's going to have to turn to him and say, hey, we need something from you. But um, whether it's realistic to expect uh, the old Norman Powell at this point, uh, I don't know. You just, I think you just have to wait and see and hope. Yeah. Um, 
right now so far this season. And, like, it's getting concerning in terms of, like, his overall numbers. Uh, he's at 28.5% from deep. And, like, I think the big thing that made him so viable in the starting five last year was that he wasn't just that one-track mind driver. Like, he was able to just hit open threes when the ball swung to him. And especially against the Bucks, when, you know, you, open threes are kind of what killed that Bucks team because of their, their scrambling defense. Like, that was so vital. So, like, I, I think... The way he's played this season and the areas in which he's been poor, I think, kind of are not going to be very conducive to him having that playoff moment unless he can completely change things around and flip it on its head. Um, and now for his career, uh, he's one attempt away from 400 threes on his career, and he's at 32.8%, which is pretty much where he was in college. And I don't know. I, I have concerns that this is just going to kind of be what he is. And, I, I mean, there are, there's room for him to get better, and I'm not yet fretting about the, the extension because the extension is not, like, crazy money, and we've seen worse contracts get moved and stuff like that uh, in the last couple of years anyway. But, yep. yeah, it's, uh, it's not ideal for the Raptors because, like, as, as deep as they are, it's nice to have even more options. And, you know, Norm has been a guy who's proven that he can come in cold in the playoffs and do so, and perform to a level that's, like, you know, kind of unexpected, but also very vital for the Raptors in order to survive. So um, not having that little utility tool or whatever the hell you want to call it, the, the break glass in case of emergency dude uh, in the playoffs, playing at his full potential, that's going to hurt the Raptors, I'm sure. At least it, maybe it loses them a game or a quarter here or, or something like that where otherwise they would be sort of better off with him you know, being able to be what he was last year. But um, I don't know. It's nice at least that the Raptors, and this is, again, sort of going back to the you know improvement over the course of the entire season for the, for the team as a whole. Like, if you had told me at the start of the year that Norman Powell was going to be this bad, I would have been like, all right, well, the Raptors are in trouble because he's their second best wing at this point, and I'm not sure what you can count on from anyone else behind him on the, on the depth chart, but... Jeez, it's worked out just 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 fine, and you know, with Norm not being you know as good as maybe we hoped he would be, it, it hasn't really hurt the Raptors very much at all in in the grand scheme of things. And again, that could change come playoff time. But the fact that they're still forty five and seventeen, and they have all these different lineups they can run out, and Fred's been so good, I think that it's kind of mitigated the consequences of his poor season, but I don't think it makes it any less disappointing that he's been this bad. Because just think about where they, where they could be if he was playing to his potential as well. So. Um, yeah, hopefully you can figure it out. I don't even know where you find minutes for him, and I guess maybe this is if the Raptors can kind of build their cushion here. Uh, maybe they can start to rest some guys, maybe just try to get Norm some reps before the playoffs. But other than that, like, do you see a way in which they can incorporate Norm into the rotation and not sort of screw things up? Because, you know, the way the bench is played, it doesn't make sense to throw Norm with that group right now because, like, it's just, it, why mess with something that's, like, works so magically? Yeah, if OG is healthy, then it's tough, right? Because then you have to go for CJ shooting off the bench, and uh, there's just no other way. And the only way I can see it is the way it's been with OG getting hurt and then him slotting into the starting role mm-hmm. just to keep that bench unit together. So barring barring injury, um, it's, it's going to be tough for Powell to crack the rotation the rest of the way. Yeah, that's a bummer. Um... Seems like a good place to leave the podcast off. Leave everyone sad. Um, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, no. It, this should be a fine week. It should be a good week. Uh, the Raptors take on the Hawks tomorrow. They're awful. They take on Detroit Wednesday. They, too, are awful. Uh, and then it's going to be really fun to watch that Houston game on Friday. I'm excited for it. It should be the blast. I think we're both going to be there. Um, so maybe yeah. we'll do one of these things after that game or something like that. But 
Uh, Vivek, do you have anything you'd like to plug right now? Um, if you're interested in more sadness, I will have something on Norman Powell coming out for Raptors Republic uh, tomorrow, Tuesday. And so you can look forward to that at about 11 a.m. Hook it to my veins. Give me the sadness. Uh, you can uh, re- read the thing I wrote about the Hornets game last night, in which I kind of just did like an oral dictation of essentially uh, during one of my spiels on this podcast uh, at Raptors HQ. Uh, you can also check out Friday's podcast with Glenn Grunwald. That was a fun one to do, um, and Glenn was great, and he had some nice... Uh, he was pretty candid, honestly. I, I wasn't expecting him to sort of reveal some of the things that he did. Maybe it's been revealed at some point in the past, but it was stuff that was new to me. Uh, so if you want to check out that, make sure you find Friday's podcast. And also Thursday's podcast with Katie Heindel, where we did a dramatic reading of her short story about Chuck Hayes. Uh, I put a lot of work into that one, and I would appreciate it if you freaking listened to it, because it was uh, it was really fun and silly and weird, and we're definitely going to do more of them, because Katie's awesome, and uh, I have lots of fun doing weird audio editing stuff. So uh, please check out those podcasts from last week. We will have more coming up this week as well. Uh, not sure of the content that will be on them. Uh, we'll, we'll see. Thursday night, though, you can come to Hoop Talks Trivia Night uh, if you're missing the, the, the trivia podcast. Those will be back either next week or the week after, just depending on the schedule here. But uh, come to Trivia Night at The Pint, 277 Front Street West in Toronto. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's kind of at the base of the CN Tower, essentially. Uh, so right in the thick of it, right off the GO train if you want to come in from out of town. Uh, if you haven't been to one of these trivia nights, Vivek has been to one of these, and he can vouch for uh, them being pretty fun. So uh, come on out, sign up your team. You can go to my pinned tweet. I have the link in there for you to sign up a team of three, or you can uh, sign up as a free agent, and we'll just stick you on a team. We got a few that have signed up as well that we're gonna just uh, randomly assign to different teammates, and that should be fun as well. Um, name your team something good, please. The the all time winner in terms of best name at trivia night is uh, two beers away from being two beers away. There's one team right now that's uh, signed up as Snap, Crackle, and Pop, but the Pop is like P-A-P-E, like Pop So. Um, so please check that out. And, uh, yeah, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll be back again. Vivek, what, are you there? I think we lost Vivek. Either way. Uh, Here. Oh, he's there. <laughs> Sorry. I was, I, was just, I was just muted for a second. Oh, okay. No, no sweat. Um, yeah, but sorry. Sorry. You, tell the people that Trivia Night's fun, please. <laughs> Trivia night is indeed fun. If you're looking for crazy Raptors trivia, um, Sean has a pretty distinct ability to find the most bizarre Raptors questions. So if you're looking to refresh your memory on all the darkest days of uh, the Raptors from 96 till, you know, 2000. When did the Raptors get good? 2012? 2014, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Make sure you get to that trivia. So, yeah, it's definitely a fun time, and you're at a bar having a good time with some good Raptors fans. Yes, uh, so please do that. Again, my pinned tweet, check out the link, and uh, sign on up. And uh, that is going to be it for today's podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will talk to you uh, tomorrow with another episode of Lockdown Raptors. Have a good one. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Lockdown podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.